Y'all, I have not mentioned this on the show yet. I have not the opportunity to mention it, honestly, but I am nominated for my first award for this podcast. And it's actually me who was nominated, which is like a very big deal to me. It means a lot to me. I'm nominated for Best Indie Podcast Host by the Podcast Academy. So the Podcast Academy hosts an award show every year for podcasts called The Ambies. This year it is in Los Angeles. I will be attending the Ambies where I will find out whether or not I won the award. And even if I don't win, that's okay. But obviously I would love to win. If you are a voting member of the Podcast Academy, because only voting members of the Podcast Academy can vote in the Ambie Awards, please, I would love your consideration. Take a listen, take a gander. I hope you enjoy the content. hope you enjoy the podcast. I hope you enjoy me. And I hope you're down to vote for me for Best Indie Podcast Host. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to Black People Love Paramore, a podcast where I explore the common and uncommon interests of Black people in order to help us feel seen. Please feel free to rate us and write us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, five stars only because we are five-star bitches, where to yo Gotti. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like, comment, subscribe, and all of those things. I'm your host, Sequoia, and today joining me to chat about true crime, we have hosts of the true crime hit podcast, Sisters Who Kill, Mara and Taz. Hey, y'all. Hi. Hi, Sequoia. Thank you for having us. Thank you for coming. This is going to be very fun. I'm so excited about this. When I posted that I was going to be doing a uh, true crime episode, everybody was like, so I'm like, ooh, true crime is really where it's at. I know y'all listeners be excited as hell every (laughs) week. We're here to talk about true crime today. Do y'all feel like y'all have a concrete definition of what true crime is? A crime that really happened. A crime that really happened, period. Very simple as that. Okay, because I feel like I have some contention with the definition that I read, because more or less it was a crime that really happened, including cult stuff and like scams and fraud stuff. And I have a hard time considering cult stuff true crime specifically. I'm like, I don't know why, but I'm like, this doesn't give true. It doesn't. Is it because you don't feel like a cult is really a crime? Taz, please. A cult is like the (laughs) ultimate a cult is like the ultimate scam. It what? is. And I feel like I have a hard time calling scams a true crime, too. They are crimes, obviously. Is it because you're a scammer? You know what I mean? It's because who isn't among us? You know, I'm like, a, a scam. You just don't want to be put in that category. We live in the United States of America. This whole shit is scam. So right. we about to, is it all a true crime? I disagree with both of y'all because <laughs> I just went to um where was I um St. Louis and I did what you weren't supposed to do I filled up the gas and I put my 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 uh debit card into the actual reader and somebody uh, stole uh, my number and they bought like $200 worth of things at Sephora they were buying stuff at Best Buy and you know what even though I got my money back it was a crime and if I saw that person Either they was going to jail or I was going to jail. So Absolutely. here we go. Absolutely. Let's see. A you snowball have to, of crime. You have to make it work in your favor. So if they started the scam, it's on you to finish the scam. You get yourself something nice. You report it all. It all happens. <laughs> Not Taz on my fraud on the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Tazzy's real other job. 
<laughs> You're right. On some city girl shit for real. Okay. I found it very interesting upon researching for this episode, of course, that Black and Latino listeners or consumers are most of true crime's audience. And I'm sure y'all know this, but from NBC News, the world of true crime podcast has a long reputation of being created for white women, by white women, and about white women. But a survey by Pew throws a wrench into that stereotype, suggesting that actually Hispanic and Black individuals make up a larger share of the true crime podcast listeners. Around 43% of regular true crime aficionados are Latino, 36% are Black, compared to 34% who are white, according to a 2022 survey of over 5,000 U.S. adults. That makes total sense to me as somebody who grew up, obviously, with a Black mom and other Black women, specifically women. I actually don't know that many men that be consuming true crime like that. No, women women eat true crime stuff. Eat it up, yeah. right? I mean, I grew up, I remember when I was a little taught, like watching or hanging out with my aunt, hanging out with my mom, and she's watching Snapped or she's watching Snapped. anything on the ID channel. She's, um, my mom watched the news every morning, so I always knew what crime was afoot. Um, <laughs> I We're also, I'm really country and we're from like a very country town, so I always knew who was stealing cars over here and who was doing stuff. So I feel like crime is almost, it, it's an everyday occurrence. And I don't think it's as scandalized in the black community because crime is something that, you know, white Americans have constantly said, oh, if you're in a black community, then crime is going to be rampant. Oh, we're going to make it, sh we're going to make sure that crime stays up in this community because of all racism. And so it becomes something that we're, almost used to hearing. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of times, I don't know, for me, like when I hear about these white true crime cases, I'd be like, white folks are crazy. And a lot of times I'm like, the white true crime stories are wild because black people got a little bit more sense than white folks. And so a lot of times we watch yes. these snaps and we be like, and that's why one of our segments that we came up with, um, I didn't do it, but if I did, it came from us watching these documentaries and being like, now why the heck did this white woman think that she was going to get away with this because she yeah. was white. That's why she thought she was going to get away with the it. The audacity, the caucasity is always so strong. It's shocking. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you just blatantly did this thing. You didn't have no real plan, no real nothing. You just did it. Thought she was going to get away with it. Why? Mm -hmm. and How they, did you get here? Be because they have white tears <laughs> and a white jury. <laughs> like, and a white it. jury. That's really the bottom line of it. Okay, mm -hmm. can we go over a couple true crime cases? I'm truly not a true crime girly, as we can tell by the definition of true crime, me not even knowing that uh, certain things were true crime cults and stuff. So people who listen to this podcast sent in a couple examples of their favorite true crime instances, I guess. That's how I found out that cults were true crime because people kept sending me cults and I was like, this is not what I'm looking for. Why are y'all sending me cults? But apparently it is. So I'm tripping. Here's the ones they sent in, though. June and Jennifer Gibson. Have y'all heard of that one? Okay, mm -hmm. so this one is The Silent Twins. It's two oh. black girls. Oh, you know The Silent Twins. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. The two black girls, they were twins. Essentially, they would not speak to anyone except for each other, and they had developed their own language. Uh, they started doing small crimes. It wasn't, you know, well, I guess arson is not that small of a crime, but they did arson, petty theft, some scammer shit. And then they got sent to a mental hospital for 11 years. And they wouldn't speak to anybody in that mental hospital. And then after 11 years, they were getting transferred to a less intense mental hospital when one of them decided they were just going to die and give the life to the other one instead. 
they truly don't know how she died. They said her heart was inflamed, but nothing was like found in her system that would have caused her to die or anything like that. She just died. And I guess the two girls had an agreement that if one of them died, the other one would begin talking and leave, live a normal life after that. And so they did that. The other one is still alive. She does interviews all the time now. She did an interview in 2023 saying that the reason she felt like they were in there for so long is because of their selective muteness. They decided not to speak. Also, they initially decided not to speak because they had speech impediments and their parents couldn't understand them anyways. Whole story was wild to me. I said, oh, am I a true crime girly? It's such a I don't know. Know. It's the scandal of it all. Right? And I, twins Ooh. are so interesting. Like, Taz is a twin. And didn't y'all have y'all own little thing growing up? I feel like we were <laughs> not the side. I feel like we were lazy with it. Honestly, me and my sister, me and my sister, we both sucked our fingers. And so, you know, how they say twins have their own language. We yeah. literally just talk to each other without taking our fingers out of our mouth. We'd be like, hmm, 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 hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> but we could understand each other. So that was our language, I guess. But we could just, like, sometimes she would even test me and be like, can you tell what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> And can you understand what she's saying? Most of the time. Sometimes I'm like, "Mm -hmm, I missed something. Yeah, I, I, twins are so interesting to me. And the fact that they're able to like seclude themselves from the rest of the world. I'm an only child. So I am just like in awe of any type of sibling relationship. Mm -hmm. But that case in particular, like the fact that you both know that you can both speak. Yes, they did the petty crimes, but you allowed for both of y'all to sit together in the mental hospital. I feel like that story would have been more interesting if they used their twin telepathy to like break out of the hospital. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. Taz, I could see you and your twin figuring out a way to break out of the hospital and start new lives and something. I don't know. And (laughs) that case is a case that people want us to cover often, but I'm like, they, we covered, they didn't murder anybody. Nobody died. Killed the other one. Which, Which I am still not confirmed. You know what I mean? It's very unclear because when I was researching it, uh, after her sister died, she was like, finally, I'm free. Then the other girl was like, finally, I'm free to blah, blah, blah. What do you mean, finally, I'm free? That gives very much you killed your sister. Right. <laughs> so did you kill your sister? Like, what is going on? Yeah, it's wild. Very strange. Taz, are you and your twin identical? No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I- this is a tangent. We say we're a waste of a twin. No, so. no, no, no. This is a tangent. <laughs> Apparently, identical twins are like a true anomaly in that it's simply a cell deciding to duplicate itself. That's, I guess, already fertilized. The cell decides to duplicate itself and then it grows into two, two identical human beings versus fraternal twins. I guess the mom has to have some special ovulatory ability that most women don't have to release two eggs at once. And then both eggs get fertilized, obviously. And then fraternal twins are born. Well, there's two ways you could be fraternal. Okay. Ooh, so, yes. <laughs> teach so, the only children. <laughs> so an identical twin is a, is a single egg with a single sperm that has divided into two, right? So you can be fraternal in that two eggs got fertilized by different sperm or that two sperms fertilize the same egg and then split. Oh, I've never thought about that as an option. So that's why identical twins have the same DNA and fraternal twins. Because it's either two different eggs or two different sperms. 
So who won? Your mama or your daddy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the world may never know. Mm, that's very interesting. But yeah, the silent twins, I guess they were separated at some point. They sent them to separate boarding schools to try to make them talk. And they refused to move. They refused to speak. They refused to eat. They just sat and wouldn't do anything. And so they were like, okay, well, I guess we have to return them to each other. And they did. And that's when they went to the mental hospital. I feel like identical twins. And that's why me and my sister, we said we was at least the twins. Because I feel like identical twins have so much space to get away with things. Like if you if you are really coordinated because your DNA is identical. So if you can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt who it was, as long as we both stick to our story, we always told each other, like me and my sister, we're exact opposites. Mm-hmm. Like we got the exact same score on our SAT, except for her reading was high and ma- my math was high. Stop. It was like, if we could have just switched classes and just gone to, I do all the little math and she yeah. does all the social studies and the reading, we would have like really taking this world by storm but we look nothing alike oh y'all look nothing alike okay because there were some twins that went to my high school that literally used to do that during finals they would they were identical and they would would never worry wow right they would just study for one final and they would take it twice and then the other one would study for one and take that twice life could have been so much easier i want a twin i always wanted a damn twin (laughs) me too me too I'm going to tell her you said that. I'm about to text her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Another one people sent in was the OJ Simpson trial, of course. That one um, is That's a good one. A classic. Have y'all covered that one? Do y'all cover that type of stuff? Uh, only, no. Only women who murder. Oh, yes. Right. Because there was no black woman involved in that one at mm-hmm. all. Just, right. Just, black women who murder. But because speaking of just y'all's... like most men in sports, they love white women. Mm. Now, mm. I'm not even really going to go on that tangent too hard, but okay, yeah, let's fine. put a pin on that. And yeah, let's, let's circle back to that. We'll come back. Um, what was I going to say about this one? Oh, speaking of I think the son segment, did it. That's of course. Of course he did it. But he actually wrote that book. I didn't do it. But if I did, then this is what I would have done. Mm-hmm. He has the audacity of a white woman. And that's crazy to me. Because he's not black. He's OJ. Because he's OJ. Because he's gotten to this point where he feels like he can transcend race. And I just feel like that is such a ignorant place to be as a black person, especially like you really think that you are in a place where you have transcended race when at the end of the day, they look at you and they see your black ass. Like it does not matter. And it doesn't matter which hue of blackness you are. They see your black ass. Like even Lotto's light skinned self, they still see her half black ass. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that you think that money can help you transcend race just because like football is a big sport and people loved it and he was well known. That doesn't mean that you are above a crime. And he has so much money. Like you have so much money. But in a way, did he not get the privileges of a white man in this trial? Because of the Kardashian. Because of the Kardashian? I mean, mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't even say it's just that. It's the way he was arrested, the way they let that police chase go on for hours on a clear-ass road. Yeah. the It was everybody involved. They were like, oh, but it's OJ, so let it give him a little room. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That most Black men wouldn't have had. Mm-hmm. And isn't the context around OJ that it was happening around the same time as the Rodney King 
stuff was happening. And mm-hmm. so I think Rodney King was convicted. And I think black folks felt like, or at least this is this is the lore around it, is that, oh, well, you know, you're doing us wrong over here. You need to it was make it right back. with this like, one. Right. right. This, is, yeah. this is the get back. And so I think the context around that insulated OJ from a lot of what he would have faced had he not had that context around it. And then also him thinking he's not black because he's priced out of it or something is nuts. You're a fucking football player. Football players, I feel like that's the blackest among us. They really see you as this big black beast. But here you are thinking that because you play this damn game, he's nuts. That's the bottom line. Yeah, he he's unwell. Yeah, football and a lot of sports, an unpopular opinion, but it definitely how much they put people on a pedestal reminds me of back in slavery when they used to be like, oh, I've got this person that'll fight this person and now they'll, they're going to fight and we're going to bet on it. Like they treat you like dogs and they're betting on you just, and now that they've given you a substantial amount of money, not clearly, not near as much money as they're making, they make you feel like, oh, you can do, you're, you're fine. We love you. You can get away with stuff. And it's like, no, there's still actions for your consequences because you were born. Hold on, Mirage chatting, because that's real. That's real as hell. Absolutely. I feel the exact same way. And the fact that they have like white team owners makes me uncomfortable, thoroughly uncomfortable. You own yep. this group of predominantly black men. I don't like it. And don't let them start having opinions. Because now you're getting traded. You're getting sold down the river, more or less. You know, I don't like okay. I don't like none of it. It all makes me uncomfortable. But that's neither here nor there. OJ, I don't know. Uh, he something something's off okay another one that people sent in casey joe or cassie joe stoddart or the scream murder this is also a white woman and she was murdered by her two classmates she was a junior in high school she was murdered by her two classmates two boys brian and tori they were also juniors at the same high school i guess they were all friends and the two boys were inspired by the movie Scream. They loved horror films and they loved the movie Scream and they wanted to reenact that in real life with a real murder. So they made a list of potential victims that they could kill. They landed on her. They documented all of it on video, like their lead up to it. I don't think they documented the actual murder on video, but they documented their plans and what they wanted to do and all the lead up to it. And they really like terrified her. She was house sitting her aunt's house one night She had her boyfriend come over and then she had them two come over because they were her friends. They watched a horror film. And as the two of them left, they left the basement door unlocked so they could easily get back in that same night. They came back in and her and the boyfriend were still there. And there started being noises, you know, from the basement and all that. The dog was growling at the basement and they anticipated the girl coming down into the basement, they were going to be able to kill her there, but she never came down. The boy, her boyfriend called his mom and was like, she's really scared. Something weird is going on at her aunt's house. Can I sleep with her tonight? Like, can I stay here tonight? And the mom was like, nope. Mom came and picked the boyfriend up. She was there alone. They turned the lights out in the house, went upstairs, stabbed her over 30 times, 12 of which were lethal. And they did it because they were inspired by Scream. And the Columbine killers. That's what they said as well. See, and that is where the thin line between true crime 
and like people come because at no point should you be glorifying these crimes. And I think that that's a line that we try to walk often. Like, even though we're talking about the crime and we tell the crime in grave detail, um, people say that we're funny, but we're not a comedy true crime podcast Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, a lot killing somebody is permanent damage. It also happened this girl very recently, I think she was in South Korea and she was like, Oh, I was just so obsessed with true crime. And I wanted to kill somebody just to see what, what it was like, what it felt like. Like, I don't want to feel what it feels like to kill somebody. That on my heart. Right. And it's people thinking that, Oh, these movies. And I get it. Like, I don't want to be like an old Southern belt Bible thumper lady, (laughs) but like sometimes when you are watching these horrible horror movies and playing these violent video games, people think that that's okay. And I, I think that there's also a real, I think that's why true crime podcasters or true crime documentaries, they have a duty to say, this is the facts but here are the long-term effects of everybody's actions. And it, you don't get that a lot in um, in movies and in horror films because their, their job is to scare you. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I really like um, how Jordan Peele's been going about horror because there's a real story in there. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm going to be scared. You're going to jump. There's There may be somebody dying. It may be, it's, but there's also he does such a great job of like putting in a real message and having there be an underlining story that makes people walk away and think versus walking away feeling like, Ooh, I could probably do this too. You are so right. I've never even thought about that. Like the influence of media on these types of murders or murderers, these types of happenings that totally makes sense because if you're watching like scream or a slasher movie or whatever, I actually can't even say that I get how you could arrive because I don't, obviously. And I, in fact, I feel like the desire to murder after watching something like that signals that you are a sociopath or a psychopath. Something's absolutely clinically wrong in a way that an average human being would not experience. You're an actually you're a monster, should yeah. I say? And I, I mean, like again, those are white people, but like black people, we have more things to worry about, like going into the justice system, like being beaten at any time when you are in the county jail, uh, whether you are in the state prison, especially as women, like you can think that all that horror stuff is nice, but when you are on your cycle in the state penitentiary and they give you paper towels and tell you to stick it up your cooch because that's all you have for a tampon, that's the reality of it. And I think a lot of people don't see that. And I think that's why we see we treat sisters who kill as almost like a cautionary tale like here is mm-hmm. all the things that can go wrong here and sometimes people do stupid shit even <laughs> black folks do stupid shit all the time but like sometimes it's like and here are the consequences of those actions like a movie is not real um and mm-hmm. i i i know quite a few true crime girlies that don't like horror movies i can't i can't do it i can't do a horror movie i think the closest i can do is like some of jordan peele's movies but even then i'd be like oh god you're gonna scare me i'm gonna have nightmares (laughs) (laughs) no that's actually very interesting i never thought about the fact that maybe a lot of true crime girlies don't fuck with horror like it's actually an entirely different thing that makes sense we're gonna go to break real quick and when we come back we're gonna keep talking about black true crime and the difference between it and white true crime and etc back for another game you know it what's going on 
Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Get started on your New Year's resolution with Factor, so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Forget frantic lunch preps and dinner rushes. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up with fast, restaurant-quality meals, all delivered right to your door. Head to factormeals.com slash blacklovemusic50 and use code blacklovemusic50 to get 50% off. That's code blacklovemusic50 at factormeals.com slash blacklovemusic50 to get 50% off. And we're back. Y'all, I'm very interested to hear some of the true crime that y'all have explored on your podcast that stuck with you the most, some of the cases that stuck with you the most. Is there any in particular that y'all are like, that one was crazy, that one was crazy, and for what reasons? Oh, do we want to do crazy because the crime was crazy, crazy because the justice system is crazy? Like, Right. (laughs) There's a little... Which side of the crazy do you want? Whichever stuck with y'all the most, whichever, whichever y'all would like to tell people about, whether it's a cautionary tale because the justice justice system was wild or the way that something happened, however y'all want to do it. Hmm. I think I'll tell you one that stuck out with me because it was crazy. Uh, Angel Bumpus. So Angel Bumpus, she, she was raised by her grandparents lived a normal life. She like had like three kids, was in community college. She ran a stop sign or a traffic light, got a traffic ticket and didn't pay it. So then there was a warrant out for her arrest. She gets in, she gets fingerprinted. And of course the fingerprints are read through the system. And they say she was a match for a murder that happened when she was 13 years old. Oh, and she was arrested for that murder. She was tried and convicted for that murder. And they didn't really have any evidence. Like, I'm t- this crime was, she was like at least 22 when it happened. So it was like 10 years ago mm-hmm. that they're saying she committed this crime. And they're like, yeah, you did this. The timeline that it would have taken her to get from school to the place where it happened she wouldn't have been able to get out without being caught. But they were like, oh, but we have this partial fingerprint and it's got to be you. And she was actually convicted for it. And they, they actually, she did an appeal and she ended up getting released. But the way that they can take so little and the way that like the system will set you up. And I, 
it's like on one hand you get it because there are bad people out in this world and you run their fingerprints you are going to catch mm-hmm. bad people but to sit there and use this partial print and that be the only piece of like concrete evidence that you have and her explanation for her fingers being on the fingerprint was her granddad who she lived with did work over at this house and he was saying she used to play with duct tape like 13 year old and like would catch it and stick it on her fingers and he was like so it's possible that her fingerprints are on that's all it took to get her convicted and that case i was like she's 13 years old and then there's like this jail call with her brothers. And it was like, oh, you heard what happened to Angel? And it was like, yeah, 13 years ago. He said, uh-oh. And that's how you hear it. And I'm like, well, what's the uh-oh? Right. Wait, what? And I'm not here to talk about nobody's family, mm-hmm. but I feel like her family was like, ooh, it's either her or us. And a lot of times when cases where you're young, where the case happened when you were young or you were still a minor, they're like, mm, let's just let her take the fall for it because better her. Because you think the minors aren't going to get as harsh as a sentence. And then she was supposed to be in there for life. Yes. She was away from her yeah. kids. And so she just got out last year. She did some years in jail right mm, that's prison. disheartening as fuck crazy yeah um one of the cases that i hate to say that it was my favorite case but one of the cases that i enjoyed covering was actually one of our earlier cases um this woman named daphne wright so daphne was a uh, deaf and she had a girlfriend a girlfriend was also deaf they lived in a place where there was a big deaf community and so one day she realized and she didn't really have a job um you know uh she was on disability so she her social security check was always coming in and she was living with her girlfriend her her girlfriend they're having you know they're fine and then she realizes that her girlfriend is emailing another girl and she feels like it feels like you flirting with this white bitch her girlfriend's like no mm. no we're not flirting so then daphne hits up the white woman it was like why don't you come meet me at the pizza hut Meets her at the Pizza Hut, and then she hits her in the head, drags her to the basement where she's staying, kills her, right? Wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, mm-hmm. hold on. The white woman does no, this, or the Daph- black woman Daphne does, does this? They're both, everybody in this story is deaf. So, it's deaf. So she hits the white woman, then brings the white woman down to her basement, and she's like, all right, I got this dead body. What am I going to do with it? And so then Daphne realizes she ain't got no money because her social security check don't hit until, like, the tomorrow the next day so she got away for her social security check to come and then she's like okay with this body in her basement body in my basement don't know what i'm gonna do with it so then she goes to the hardware store and she's trying to tell the man i need a chainsaw and of course she's trying to sign to the man the man doesn't understand finally they were able to get her chainsaw she's like no i don't need this chainsaw i need the cheapest chainsaw you got because you know disability they don't give i'm just chopping up a body well they also disability checks for um people are not great so she's also has to live off of that check so she takes this very bad chainsaw and starts chopping up the body gets rid of the body throws it in a dumpster and different dumpsters they ended up finding the body like in the landfill parts of the body not even her full body and then she looks around and she's like crap there's blood everywhere there's blood there's guts there's bone everywhere so instead of washing it she just takes some black i mean some blue paint and just starts painting the walls and she paints the floor the walls the floors everything so all of a sudden the entire basement is just blue and then they finally finally when they are able to catch up with her they look and they're like you didn't even try to clean this up i mean you know we can still test dna on the chunks of brain on the wall even if there's paint on it 
Ew. So the moral of that story was that she did not have enough money to commit a commit a crime. And yeah, it was really bad. And then we have the other ones that show the injustices in the in this justice system, heavy air quotes for those that are listening mm-hmm. in audio. Like there's there's really no justice for us. We just covered um, we covered the case of Virginia Christian, who was the first person executed in the state, first legal execution of a black woman in the state of Virginia. She was a teenager and she was working for this white woman and she was like as a washer, as a maid, and she was trying to stop working for the woman because she was so mean to her. But her parents, of course, at that time, they're saying, oh, well, you have to work, you know, you don't, the family needs mm-hmm. it, you have to go. And so this woman starts attacking her. She ends up hitting the woman with like... um with a pan and the woman ends up dying. She immediately goes and tells everybody what happens. They put her on trial and Virginia is shorter. She's heavy set. She's dark skin. She's got big boobs. And they're like, there's no way that she's 16 years old. Y'all want to try her as a, as a minor? Absolutely not. Stop. She has to be 25. And here's another example of, I mean, that happened a while ago. It's an example of them saying like, just because she's a black girl, she has boobs, she's got booty, that means that she has to be older. It's a it's an example of oversexualizing black women, black mm-hmm. girls, which happens so often. Like I I think time. we all can I've I'm most of my friends have had an experience of being young and even your mom having to be like, Mm-mm, don't do that. And it's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's because you're a black yep. girl. You've got a little booty and men out here are crazy. Yep. And yep. she was executed for that. And it's, and she, it was self-defense. That woman was attacking her. It was self-defense, but who, who are they going to take? Whose side are they going to take a white woman who's dead or your black ass who they think is older than what you're saying? Whose life didn't really matter in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. Wild. Okay, so that brings me to my next question. I feel like Black folks and white folks obviously consume true crime very differently. And I'm wondering if, kind of like what y'all are saying, if Black folks are consuming it kind of from a cautionary tale perspective or like, oh, here's what I can do to prevent X, Y, and Z from happening to me or whatever, um, and if white folks are consuming it differently, what are y'all thoughts? I would say as a personal consumer mm-hmm. of true crime, I don't know if it's necessarily like a cautionary trail. I think what pulls me into it is I have got to know what you were thinking. Like, I want as much details mm-hmm. to the story because how did you get there, you know? So yeah. for me, I think that's the most interesting part. That's kind of what pulls me in, like, even when I watch like the series about the Unabomber, just like I want to get as close to in your mind as possible. So that's the part that I like for it. That's why I prefer like a true crime that's going to go deep and tell the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit of both because um, I'm also a recreational consumer of true crime. And I think of some cases that are just like, whoo, girl, it's great to chit chat about like, like a Uloma Curry Walker who how she thought she was going to get the insurance money and she went on the insurance plan. Like you killed this man for no reason. But also <laughs> I, somebody I like, I'm a history buff. I love reading and I, in comparison, comparing things to from then and now, but I look at cases like Kendrick Johnson where 
one little fight with the wrong white boy that whose daddy has great pool in the community can end your life and nobody will care about how you about catching the person that killed you. And I think it's scary mm-hmm. for we have a lot of people that listen to our podcast that say, you know, when it's not the really bad ones, when y'all aren't cussing too much, I listen to the cases with my kids because they need to know that like at the end of the day, they're going to more than 9.75 times out of 10, they're going to take that white kid's story over your story. I mean, I, I even think about it when I I got into a car accident a couple years ago and I was the one that called the police and I was the one that made sure that the white woman's okay, even though she was the one that hit me. And the police officer did not even come and ask me what happened. And I'm like, how is this possible? And I think there's a reality of the fact that the police officers and the justice system, they hate us. They don't want to see us succeed. There's a reality that mm-hmm. at the end of the day, people say that they don't see color, but you're, that is a stupid statement and it doesn't make sense because if you've got eyes that work, you can see color. And there are prejudices that have come down from years and years before. We just covered a case that happened in 1940 and the judge the whole time was like, I don't even know why we're wasting the court's money on this. This is all your public money. Every time that we're here, we're wasting a dollar a minute. And guess what? That happened. That was a case that happened in 1940. And still today, if you decide that you want to fight for your right for freedom and you want to go to trial, they're going to say, look at you wasting the taxpayers money. I think that it's important to know the way that the way that you are perceived in this world so that you can teach and hopefully have people be better. And I think that's where I come from with true crime. Like I see it and I know where it's been. I know how people view us. And so how can I continue? Like, I don't have kids, but I'd be thinking like, how would I teach my child? How would I teach my son how to walk through this world? And the only time that you really can get it to stick in somebody's head is by example, this is real. Like the Kendrick Johnson case that happened in Georgia where he, you, you've probably heard about this case. They found him with in, in a mat rolled up saying that he got stuck, mm-hmm. but the blood drippings are underneath the shoes that were below there. So clearly there was blood before the shoes and nobody cares. And no matter how much the family is screaming and fighting and wanting justice, nobody cares. Do you want, and I don't want to be Oof. in the position as a parent, as a cousin, as a family, as a loved one where I'm fighting for you and I can't because nobody Nobody cares. And it's a sad truth. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of the Khalif Browder case as well, Mm. where he was accused of stealing a backpack. Yep. Ended up in Rikers Island. And and also in solitary confinement in Rikers Island. We know Rikers is like one of the toughest prisons in the country. Solitary confinement is immoral, unethical as fuck. You can't be a a functioning person after being in solitary confinement for more than, I don't know, like a day or something. And they had him in there for like years. I think they had him in there for a really long time after it finally came out that he didn't even steal the fucking backpack. Years later, he was so mentally fucked from being in solitary confinement for so long that he killed himself. Yeah. That absolutely aligns with what you're saying, Mara. 
totally get it. There was an outcry even last year or the year before because this man was in a jail in Alabama. She was like, I saw my brother a couple of months ago and he was fine. And now I'm looking at him and he is starving. Why is my brother just Mm -hmm. skin and bones? Who is taking his food? Why is he not getting medical treatment? That's happening in the year, in the 2020s, you know? So the fact that, Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people are still trying to push it under the rug because the big system called the prison, the, the money, the money grabbers, which are all white people that are taking bribes and, and bribing politicians, they care about one thing and it's a dollar. And if you don't have a dollar to mm-hmm. give them, you do have a, mo- a body to give them and they can put it in the justice system. Ooh, how fucking wild that. Yeah, that was really well put. That is absolutely the truth. We are going to head to a second break and when we come back. We'll talk about the trending true crime stories that are happening now or recently. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Okay, we're back. (laughs) I have some trending true crime stories for y'all. Have y'all heard of Gypsy Rose? Y'all know Miss Gypsy Rose. Did y'all watch the act on Hulu by chance? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Hold on. We all up to speed on (laughs) Gypsy Rose. Okay. That story was wild as fuck to me. And her press tour now is also wild as fuck. I'm over her press tour, honestly. Gypsy Rose, for those of y'all who don't know, I'll just do a brief explainer. Gypsy Rose was a child when all this took place. She lived with just her mom, I believe, and her mom made her think she was sick her whole life, made her think she was sick in in the way that made her think she couldn't walk, made her think that she had some type of disease that caused X, Y, and Z thing that wasn't actually true. Uh, And come to find out her mom was actually doing a lot of these things, making her sick in these ways to make sure that her daughter always needed her, that she always had control of her daughter and that she always had her daughter. I think the term for that is Munchausen's by proxy. Essentially, push come to shove, Gypsy Rose was tired of being treated like that. She knew she could fucking walk. She decided she had had enough of her damn mom. She ended up killing her. She went to jail for that for a long time. I don't remember exactly how long. But she went to jail for that for a long time. And she just got out either at the very end of last year or the very beginning of this year. So the end of 2023 or 2024. And she's still pretty young. I want to say she's maybe mid-20s now. Yeah. So that's the general story of Gypsy Rose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Y'all. So she didn't kill her herself. She got she she had a boyfriend, a long distance boyfriend. And this guy was 
I autistic. Yes. He was special needs, but he, she ran away to this boyfriend and basically was like, in order for us to be together, we have to get rid of my mom. And this, he was autistic. He, um, very impressionable and he actually didn't want to do it. And she was like, no, you have to do it. And so he mm -hmm. was the one that actually ended up killing her and under Gypsy's rule, I guess. And then, yeah. um, the reason that they found the reason that they were able to find them is because they posted on Facebook and Facebook at the time would tell you your location, which most people turn off now. They will still do that, but most people turn that off. And so they accidentally forgot because they're young and they're, they're probably not great with technology. They kept that on mm -hmm. and arrested them pretty much right there. He is actually going to be in prison for the rest of his days and she is out. Oh, this is nuts. Stop. I was just about to ask. So what happened to him? Wow. They put him in prison for life. Yeah, he's there forever. Oh, this is sick. Okay, Taz, you said you're over her press tour. What What's your thoughts on Gypsy Rose? I think this is another, I think this is a good example of like, where I say I like to do true, true crime, like where you dive deep and like hear the whole story because, you know, off rip. First thing you hear, she kills her mother, has her boyfriend kills her mother. It's like, oh, they're bad people. And then you hear about the Munchhauser by proxy and it's like, oh, her mom was a bad person. But I think like, there was a mental instability with each and every one of them. Like yes. that, that Munchauser by proxy, that's a mental break to where there, you know, you have Munchauser and you have Munchauser by proxy, right? Yeah. So Munchauser is when you do it to yourself and by proxy is when you do it to somebody else. But if yeah. something in her mind where she needed so badly to be needed that she put her daughter into harm's way. And that yes. was in her head. That was how she loved her the hardest. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so it, it that dynamic with the mom, everybody was like, oh, well, her mom fucked her up. And it's like her mom was sick. You know, her yes. mom needed mental help to help her. And that's why she, she didn't fuck her up out of just abuse. She Hating fucked her, her up out of abuse, over right. love. You know what I mean? And then even with Gypsy, like to have your whole child childhood stolen from you you didn't get to a wall you didn't get to go to school you didn't get to run and play you didn't get to do those things so of course that's building up a lot of hatred and then you have this guy who's easily influenced just kind of brought in and now he has to bear the weight of it all i feel like a lot of times true crime is approach or even like the justice system is approached to black and white and it's like because I don't think you should be in there for life like this was a crazy fucked up circumstance and at the end of the day everybody needed help that's everybody needed help, mm -hmm. but Hell they're no. not giving help. They're giving prison beds and yeah. it, it doesn't necessarily stop the cycle. It's not a reform. You're not fixing anything. It's, it's all to make everybody feel better about the world that's going on, but no change is actually happening. What's being put in place to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And then yeah, I feel like Gypsy got out because she white. Because this black girls who done killed their mama because their mama done did some fucked up shit to them and they face a life. So definitely, absolutely. Um, yeah. I yeah. have I I I dare say I'm with the unpopular opinion about Gypsy and the Ooh. fact that Ooh, she is milking this in a way that she should not be and that's what I feel and that's why I'm over it. I agree. I'm like if you do a the fact that there's a tour. Like you're doing a lot, yeah. a special, maybe get a check, get on your feet, a tour. 
I've seen too many different interviews, like, and I, I don't even want to watch them because we saw the movie. We know what happened. Your feelings were yeah. hurt. Like, I get it. I don't need to hear this over and over. Like, the fact that this has become your way of life now is a bit much. And then she said in an interview that, like, she knows how to manipulate people's feelings because she learned from the best. Her mom was the best. And you telling me that she just got out of prison and all of a sudden she is... Even though she is probably, I hope, please, oh my gosh, please, hopefully she's talking to somebody that is a medical professional. But at the end of the day, I pray the manipulation, the tactics, those are embedded in her. That is something that she is going to have to work through every single day. Who's to say that she's not manipulating this so-and-so-so-so-called husband, which husband, have you seen, right. oh my gosh, have you seen people put pictures of her husband and her mom side by side, they look like the same person. Maras, stop. Maras, stop. You're a fucking I'm honor. telling you, you can go anywhere. Is, They'll no. put pictures of her mom and her husband and they look, it looks like her, her they look alike. And so I just think that <clears throat> she needs to, like Tazzy said, get her little bag and sit down somewhere and really get, sit down somewhere and just not bother us. I don't want to hear about it anymore. And I don't think mm -hmm. that it's worth us. And this is that part of true crime where I'm like, now you're romanticizing this. And mm -hmm. there's this notion that, oh, you can probably get away with this if you have a good enough sad story. When at the end of the day, mm -hmm. the story was that every, like Tazzy said, everybody was mentally ill. So maybe the story should be about mental health. Maybe the story should be about not tricking the system. Maybe the story should be about warning signs so that you can make sure that you're not in the same situation. Not, ooh, she killed her mom and so now she's going on a press tour. Because I bet you, I bet you money. We did uh, Jazz and Taz, they're twins that killed their mom. They'll be coming out of prison in the, ne in the next year or so. I, mm -hmm. If they go on a press tour, I will be highly surprised because I bet nobody is going to be interested enough to know their story because they were two black girls that were also not treated well by their mom and who also had a very difficult home situation who also were trying to get out of the house and did not want to be there and told the court in the courthouse that they did not want to be there and they're not going to get nearly as much attention but because this white girl did it and it just seems like this scandalous thing now we're paying her now we're what mm. But let a black felon come out. I ain't with mm -hmm. her. I, I, I'm over it. And the people that are just like, yeah, Gypsy, you should have done it. I don't think that she should have done that either. I would have. Mm -hmm. supposed to come out being remorseful and you just sitting here just trying to figure out how many times you can profit over the same old story. What about let's let's start an organization where we stop this from happening, mm -hmm. where we can get the hospital records on the same thing, because her mom was getting the medicine to drug her and trick her some type of way because she keeps switching yeah. hospitals. Why is it possible? Y'all sitting here trying to crack down on niggas getting Adderall, crack down on bitches doing it. Oh, come on. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, this is so true. This is so true. Y'all have very much changed my perspective on the gypsy roasting it's been a minute since i consumed exactly what happened with the gypsy roasting i totally forgot that she had somebody else kill her mom she pushed somebody else to kill her mom as she's been talking about it on these press tours she keeps mentioning like in passing she'll be like oh yeah no i did something really bad like i did something really bad so just make sure you don't do that and I keep being like, I mean, I understand how you arrive at killing your mom in these circumstances. What I don't quite understand 
is how you arrive at ruining somebody else's life entirely and go on a press tour while they sit in jail and fucking rot on your behalf. And he, she doesn't that's mention disgusting. this man. She's just like, oh, you know, she, I, I wish never, him the that's best. That's why I fucking forgot about it. Because I've seen the interviews and she has not mentioned him. That's wild. And, you know, when you do wow. these stories, you have to, like, sell the rights to your story because it's yours. And there's, like, a, a, a payment in the back end before it becomes produced. And because he's a part of her story, is he getting anything from this? The person that actually – that also needed the help, who was – who did not have money for a lawyer to prove – you know, without a, re without a reasonable doubt that he was mentally unstable, he wasn't allowed any mm -hmm. of that. But you are. I, I just mm -mm, mm -mm, I don't like a I don't like that white girl. And that's heinous. Don't like that white girl. And if we talk about the like the mental health of it all. I like that you brought it there, Taz. Also, the autism portion of it. I feel like. Hmm. Obviously, this boy is, I think he was white. Maybe he was Latino, but I think he was white, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a little bit separate, but I feel like autistic black boys in particular end up in the prison system simply because they are autistic and therefore people think they're just acting out or dead instead of or killed, getting yeah. the mental health that they need or killed, right, in the prison system or killed because of their autism. And this, again, our, our system doesn't work for anybody. It really doesn't work for anybody. And particularly those with these types of mental health problems, especially if you are a person of color with these types of mental health problems. Wow, that just really brought so much back to my mind. That was, she's sick. She's so fucking unwell. Not to mention the Taylor Swift of it all. I'm not even going to go there, but that's fine. We'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. All right. I hope nobody on this podcast is a Swifty. Um, Miley Cyrus is. Dirty John. Never mind. Okay. I was about to say okay, Miley yeah. Cyrus okay. is what y'all say Taylor Swift is, but that's again. A now, another, if we really want to talk about it. Another tangent for another I'll, podcast. <laughs> I agree. And I agree with that. And I will leave it at that. Have y'all, did y'all watch Dirty John on Netflix? Mm -hmm. I did. Okay. I actually listened to a podcast about Dirty John before yes. the movie came out. And Tazzy, you have listened to this podcast too. Um, it was when we were obsessed with Dr. Death and then Dirty John was also part of that. So that was the story of, I think his name was John Meehan. And he was, I think it was a multi-criminal. Like he had done a whole bunch of stuff even before this point. He met this very rich white blonde lady in somewhere in Orange County, California, maybe Newport Beach. It was in Newport Beach, California. And he worked her way, worked his way into her life. Essentially, at the end of the day, he wanted her money, tried to kill her daughter. Her daughter killed him mm -hmm. because he was trying to kill her. She killed him. And she's still very traumatized by that. I think her name is Tara or Tara. Yeah. That story was wild as fuck to me. Well, the craziest part is well. that he had the illusion of he was like oh yeah i'm a doctor and he would leave out in scrubs every single day telling this woman that he was making money but never had money to show for it like ah, oh, like i though see it's scammy it's scammy and so is it scammy to be like oh yes. every i have everything i need let me just pretend like i am the man of your dream so that you can spend all your money on me oh and right. like that's this is also stuff that happens to white women because ain't no black woman finna be like oh yeah i see he going to work he say he a doctor but i pay for everything see black women wouldn't do that it's, 
is not, not happening. happening. It's not happening. Like, no. Uh, it's in he was so close to being caught and he had done this to multiple women basically depleted yep. all of their funds and pretended like he was this wonderful man and then dipped on these women these women were like yeah my life savings is gone older women were like or his drug habit because he also. had a drug habit and he wanted to just give this he wanted to live this life and the fact that you're able to scope out this is what i'm talking about the lessons learned now i know how to not be somebody's target okay, okay. don't be looking like no uh -huh. weak bitch don't be looking vulnerable if i got money you like can't flick. you can't you have to be subtle when you have money you can't be just out here and all yeah. your designer things because people are going to be like you know what she's single she's probably needing somebody to scratch that itch and she's wearing a louis i'm going to get her <laughs> like mm -mm. i don't need that i don't need that in my life uh -uh. <laughs> mm -mm totally feel that is there anything else y'all have learned from hosting a true crime podcast like how to not look like a lick of course but is there any other lessons that y'all have taken away always ask for your lawyer uh -huh. divorce him don't kill him um, <laughs> damn <laughs> um i read something to either today or yesterday and it was like the main three reasons for murder is love slash lust, money, or pride. And I was like, that, that pretty much tracks yeah. <laughs> with the episode. So, I mean, you know, don't don't let your pride get the best of you. You don't have to win. Just just take a walk. You, you don't end up winning in the end. So just mm -mm. take a walk, you know, find a better way to make some money. It reminds me of that new Baby Tate song that just came out. And, and she has a lot in there. She's like... And it's like a remix to the Whisper song. And one of the lines is, I make a cheetah want to kill his mistress. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Mariah said, That's too close to home now. You don't know what you're saying. Watch your mouth. And do your research. <laughs> you really have to do your research on these men. Like, you have to do your, and I just think that with anybody that you're around, like you have to do your research on these people because even, mm -hmm. even as I'm getting older and making new friends, I'm like, who were you for real? Because I know that I am different than the person that I was 10 years ago, but who were you 10 years ago? And do you have the ability mm -hmm. to come back and still be the person that, oh, you you were on trial for attempted murder? Okay, no. We were, Taz and I were just in court on something totally unrelated. We're fine. We're not going to jail. Um, but when we walked out, this man, this man was sitting next to me and clearly he was waiting for his time to be in court as well. And he was like, <laughs> and we're sitting there, we're behind all the district attorneys and the district attorneys are just being complete assholes. Like one guy is up there and the judge in um, the um, person at the jail was like, you know, he's really helping out with the GED program. And the DA is like making faces like, <clears throat> And it's like, okay, so you talking oh. shit about this black man that is clearly fighting for his life. Um, right. What the fuck is going and on? So then we walk out, we're happy. And the guy, he has not gone up there yet to, for whatever trial case he has. And he's like, oh yeah, I just, I might as well get your number now. And I was like, not here at the courthouse and I then he might was like, <laughs> as well get your number because now. he was sitting next to me and i was also like look at these white people they don't care nothing about us like dang da, 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 da. and so he's like i might as well get your number and i was mm -hmm. like mm. he was like well y'all walked away feeling uh y'all walked away y'all case and it was pretty lucky so i was thinking maybe that i would get lucky too if i had your number and i was like i told you he needed some of that support that day 
<laughs> was so minor that we were there for minor things, but I had seen everything from murder to like child uh, molestation. Like there were a lot of different cases that were happening that day. And sir, I did not know why you were there. Were you there for petty shoplifting or were you there for murder? I don't know. And I don't want to find out. Yeah. And you asking me for my yeah. number. Red flag, red flag. Red, I wasn't there for murder, just FYI. Taz wasn't either. <laughs> well, you said minor, so I hope that I hope that would not be. Yeah, I know how to get away with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you do. After hosting podcasts <laughs> for a long time, I'm sure you pick up some little stuff. I was also going to ask: Are there any commonalities in the cases that y'all have covered? Obviously, every there's a black woman involved in all the cases, but yeah, is there? You said money love slash lust and pride is that generally mm-hmm. it for the most part then you have a couple of them that are just like it was really dealt a bad hand and like mm-hmm. like you have um this one woman her dad molested her growing up and then she found out that her dad was about to have or take her niece's on a trip to Africa by himself. And she was like, oh, so wow. she ended up chopping off his penis and he ended up some, some other way. Cause that's not, she Googled it first and it's not supposed to be dead. I got you for it. Where did she fuck she, up? When <laughs> she put like a, a dish towel in his mouth. So he actually died of suffocation oh. because her intention was not to kill him. She just didn't, she was taking away what he was, his weapon which was his penis. Yeah. And so while she was doing that, he had a dish towel in his mouth and he suffocated on the dish towel and that's how he died. Interesting, because yeah. she didn't want him to scream. Is that why the dish towel was in the mouth? Right. Like to keep him quiet a little bit while he she breathe through his nose? Off. I'm so confused. Okay. I think well, like in the like fight, both. he was kind of probably kind of like sucking it down, trying to like yeah. scream and stuff. But again, it was just like you got caught up in your circumstance. There's another girl, uh, Sinadad, she uh, was a transfer student from Africa, and she was so lonely. And her roommate, who she got um, paired with, she was able to like go out and make a bunch of friends. And they started off close, but the girl started making her own friends. She had some family in the States, but didn't really know them like that. Her real family, like her close family, is still back in Africa. She doesn't know anybody. She was lonely to the point where she was sending out random letters in the yellow pages. Mm. I just need a friend. I just, I'm reaching out for help. Somebody help mm. me. She went to Yale and she was asking, she went to Yale's mental health services and was like, I need help. They was like, all right, you got one free session a month. So we'll see you next month. And she okay. ended up snapping and killing her roommate who was out making other friends. Like, why don't you love me? Like I, what happened to us? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think some people just get caught up in like a bad circumstance and it spirals when things probably should have been in place. Like, you know, her dad probably should have been in jail for the abuse that he did for her. And she should have had more resources reach out to her from the mental health facility. It's, mm-hmm. it's fucking Yale. I've always had like, you know what I mean? Yale. Yeah. Like if you can't get the resources you need from Yale, where can you get it from? Right. That just lets you know that nobody's getting it from anywhere. That's the bottom line. That's the issue. Okay. We'll end this on a little bit of a brighter note. Morale, did you have something? Yeah. I was going to say that, you know, I also, it's also a really 
I feel like it's a conversational conversation starter for black families because a lot of black families, they want to keep the problems silent. They want to keep them in the house and they, and when it comes to things like, Hey, this person is mentally unstable. They're like, "Mm -mm, we're just going to pray about it. And we're not going to seek a professional. Um, We had a Mm -hmm. case like uh, Wanda Jean where her first crime was when she was like 11, 12 years old, stealing food to feed her siblings because her mom was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Then when she was about 13, 14, she got hit by a bus and that messed up like her her frontal cortex. That's your decision making. That's your impulse control. So even as a teenager, the school was like, she needs to be under severe supervision. She needs to be talking to a counselor. And if you're poor and if you're black and if you're Christian, all three of those at once, mm. like you, the likeliness of you going to seek any type of <laughs> counseling, any type of solution based anything is not going to happen. Mm. Even if you're Christian and you're black and you say, yes, I should do it. You're still poor. and You can't pay for it. Like Taz and I were talking the other day and I was like, you know, I really want to pick back up going to counseling, just, you know, check in on the minty health. But it's expensive. It's expensive even with discount codes and all and insurance. It's still expensive. And so then this woman, she went on and she had these attachment issues. So every time she fell in love, she was attached to them. She killed her first girlfriend, went to jail, and then they let her out. Still, everybody says she's a a little touch. She's a little touch. She's got problems with attachment issues, gets out of jail, kills another girlfriend. And at the end of the day, it's like you kill two people. This is wrong. But when she was a teenager and everybody knew that she had problems with impulse control, problems with anger, mm-hmm. problems with attachment, it should have been addressed then so that these two women would still be alive. And I think that that is something that a lot of people don't take into consideration. And I, that's what I like about true crime is like, I can see, sit there and say, oh, and that's why I talk about the cautionary tale. Like it is about being black. It's about your mental health. It's about the conversations that you need to have in your family because a lot of people don't want to have the conversations. If it's something sad and it's not, and it doesn't feel like it's of God, then we're not having the conversation and they need to happen. Yes. Yes. That is so real. Absolutely. That the religious angle specifically, I feel like has such a hold on black folks Mm -hmm. that it really does prevent a lot of conversations that need to happen. And also a lot of help that needs to be dished out for us. That's a great point. Okay, we'll end on a lighter note. I just have one question, and this is a, qu- a personal question that I just want to know from y'all. It's Firefest. Do y'all remember Firefest? I did is a whole project on Firefest. Okay, yeah, because that shit was nuts, <laughs> oh, right? We have this crime? one. <laughs> I did a whole project on Firefest. Perfect. That is a scam. Yes. That is 100% a scam. That was true crime. It was hilarious. It is. I, I enjoyed every bit of it. Funny, yeah. yeah, I did a report on that for school. Um Yeah. Do you do you know what it was, Mariah? Did you ever get into it? I, I know I know the outline of it, but I def I remember when you were doing oh that project God. years ago and you told me about it. It was so good. Like some guy goes to Ja Rule and it was like we're gonna put on this amazing concert and Ja Rule's like, Yeah, sounds good. This guy doesn't even have any real credentials. And these white people, like, they're talking about buying islands and, like, mm-hmm. we're going to do this whole thing on an island. And just the way they did it, they sensationalized a lot of things and they put a lot of people in a bad situation. Unsafe. And so, like, I don't at all feel bad about 
these white rich white kids getting scammed out of some money for wanting to do this but like i think where was it supposed to be in the bahamas those mm, people were like expecting a check it, that country oh. that country lives off of tourism and stuff like that so yeah. to have all of this stuff like they put all this stuff in place just for it to be a scam nobody's getting paid that the bahamas took a hit cheese and bread one. but all them white kids cheese and bread cheese and bread. like y'all had fema tents they have fema tents and like these white people have never known cheese. this type of life <laughs> and they didn't know what never. to do oh it was nuts it was a great so story. is it true crime but, but you so yes true crime yes true crime to you yeah he scammed everybody he did <laughs> that's probably besides america that's one of the biggest scams i've seen in a long time mm-hmm and Billy McFarlane, that's his name. He was a serial scammer before he did the firefish shit too. He, he had pro. like a fake credit card. He had like a credit card that he had created. Yes. He had like a Soho house type situation. I for got the all card. of this on Prezi somewhere. And- yes. Yes. We might need to see. We might need to pull up the Prezi. I don't know. But yeah, no, Billy McFarlane's wild. And Ja Rule's big dumbass just hopping on. Just hopping on board. Well, ja Rule's got a lot of other problems too. <laughs> I don't know about Ja Rule's problems, but I don't doubt it. He seems <laughs> like he would have. I I want to I I, I want to scam people. I want I do. do I but I feel like I'd be like, okay, there it is. And then if I did it. I talk too much. I feel like people be like, she talking too much. This stuff is starting not to make sense. So see, I can't keep my mouth closed. I feel like Tazzy, you'd be a good scam. Oh, you are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> too late. It's too late. <laughs> I do I do not scam people. I don't care about corporations, but I don't scam people. That's, That's fair. fair. Yeah. Who gives a fuck about a corporation? That's very fair. One of these days. Can y'all let the folks know where they can find you on social media? Any projects you have coming up? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us pretty much anywhere. Um, on Instagram, it's Sisters Who Kill Pod. On Twitter, it's Sisters Who Kill. On TikTok, it's Sisters Who Kill Podcast. We have Facebook. We have a private discussion group. We also have a YouTube channel that I just started where you're just going to get recaps of our stories. And we are having our very first live show. So to celebrate three years of sisters who kill we are having our live show sisters who kill live.com is where you can get a ticket we have a story that we are super excited to tell it is uh full of twists turns and maybe a little scam um but definitely murder so you guys can check that out uh, march 23rd at the variety playhouse and you can get those tickets at sisters who kill live.com exciting yeah if you're in the atlanta area go and if you're not if fly you're, down if and you're go. in the neighboring states you know mm-hmm. yeah grab a friend show hit the road they about to sell out so stop playing y'all so <laughs> get the tickets while you can right now <laughs> per usual you can find me across social media platforms at bplp pod you can email me at black people love paramore at gmail.com with hate mail love topics or anything else you want to tell me you can support the show and other wonderful max fun shows at maximumfun.org slash join our editor is Genevieve Lagat. Our producer is Palmyra Muniz. And I am your host, Sequoia, and this has been a production of Maximum Fun. Bye.